Merry Christmas. It really is the most wonderful time of the year, isn't it? And it's not because of reindeer that dance or because of snowmen that sing. Christmas definitely isn't wonderful because of figgy pudding or moments spent under the mistletoe. Christmas is wonderful because we have been given the greatest gift of all time, a baby born in a manger. You know, when the angels made their pronouncement that night over Bethlehem so long ago, this is what they said. It's found in Luke chapter 2, verse 10. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This is Carol McLeod, your host, and I hope you'll join me every weekday from now until Christmas as we celebrate this season in a joyful, holy, and meaningful way. And may I just say it one more time, Merry Christmas. What are you waiting for this Christmas? What are you praying for this Christmas? It might seem like you've prayed for years and years and years, and your prayers remain unanswered. I'd like to tell you a story today. It's a Christmas story about a family who had prayed and prayed and prayed for a prodigal to come home. I believe that Christmas is a time of extraordinary miracles. It is a time when our prayers meet the grandeur of heaven and God listens and God's answers explode over the darkness of our lives, just like the angel song exploded over Bethlehem. Let me tell you my story and then we'll close with a scripture. Life had always been good for the Murrays. There was a dad and a mom, two daughters, a son, and then the expected assortment of cats, dogs, and goldfish throughout the years. Trisha, Robert, and Annie were raised in the days of hula hoops and Schwinn bicycles. They watched Captain Kangaroo on the TV and spent Sunday mornings in Sunday school with their cousins. When the three Murray children hit the teenage years, their parents prayed harder and spent extra hours with them knowing the challenges that teenagers were facing. The girls, Trisha and Annie, seemed to do just fine, but the son, Robert, sandwiched between two outgoing and popular sisters, had a more difficult time finding his niche in life. He played sports, but was never the star. He didn't flunk out of school, but he never made the honor roll. Robert didn't really cause any trouble in the classroom, but he never really captured any teacher's attention either. Robert became sorely and difficult as a teenager. He was disrespectful to his dad and argumentative with his sisters. In 1969, after only one year at the community college, Robert decided to join the Army. He spent two years in Vietnam, and when he came home, his life had been blown apart by the consequences of battle. The entire family welcomed him home enthusiastically, but Robert didn't know how to fit in. He didn't know how to have a normal conversation. Robert spent only a couple of weeks in his childhood bedroom and then disappeared. He left early one morning before his parents were up and left a nearly illegible note on the kitchen counter. I need to get away. I'll I'll come back when I'm ready. I really do love you, Robert. 
Mr. and Mrs. Murray immediately prayed together at the kitchen table. They prayed for their boy. They prayed that he would quickly find his way back home. They asked God to protect Robert and to heal his broken heart. Well, nearly three years passed by with no word from Robert absolutely no word from him. There were no Christmas cards. There were no Mother's Day phone calls, no postcards telling his family that he was well in faraway places. Tricia and Annie were married and had enough children between them to fill their parents' hearts. But Mr. and Mrs. Murray never stopped looking. They never stopped hoping, and they never stopped believing that one day, Robert would show up again. They prayed every day for Robert. They didn't miss one day. When other couples were selling the family home and downsizing, Mr. and Mrs. Murray stayed where they were. They didn't want to move and make it impossible for Robert to find them. And so they decided not to spend winters in Florida, but to brave the difficult winters just in case Robert, their boy, called the family number. Their whole life was built around praying and waiting and looking and hoping and believing. Trisha and Annie tried to have their parents deal with reality and face the facts. Mom, Robert might not be alive anymore. If he wanted you to know where he was, he would have called you. Well, on the third Christmas Eve that Robert had been gone, Mr. and Mrs. Murray received a letter from a French orphanage in Vietnam. It was from the headmistress at the orphanage who said that a little girl had been dropped off at the front door by her mother. The little girl, who was about three and a half, had a note attached to her wrist, and it was tied with a white silk scarf. The note was written in beautiful French and said, Robert, you never came back for me. My family would not accept me any longer or our child. I pray that you will accept our child. At the end of the note was Robert's name and home address. The French headmistress was overcome with children such as these and was wondering, would Robert be willing to accept this child, this little girl? The Murrays at that point still didn't know where Robert was, but they were ready to love his little girl. And so after months of government red tape and heartfelt prayers, little Angel Marie arrived home that summer. She loved her cousins and basked in the love of her grandparents. She looked longingly at her father's picture on the mantle of the Murray family fireplace. Often she would ask her grandmother, Grandmama, where is my father? Does he love me? Well, after five more Christmases and five more birthdays and five endless winters, the phone at the Murray home rang one December afternoon. When Mr. Murray picked up the phone, he heard a familiar, Hi, Dad, and he fell to his knees. Robert humbly told his story. He had fallen into a world of drug abuse and homelessness. I knew that I should have called you, but I was too ashamed of what my life had become. I finally decided last Christmas to end it all, to take my life, and you would never need to know. That night I bought one last bottle of whiskey. I intended to drink it and then to use the glass to slash my wrists. 
a man came and sat down beside me, and I poured out my heart to him in my drunken stupor, and he took me to a church, a church that opened its doors to men like me. Broken and lost shadows of humanities were welcome at this church, and I took a shower, I ate a hot meal, and I slept on a cot. There were only two requirements in order to stay here. You had to attend church, and you had to stay sober. Dad, the man who found me was a Vietnam vet too, but he had dealt with his battle fatigue with faith and not with drugs and alcohol. This Vietnam vet, Dad, introduced me to faith in God and faith in the Bible and faith in prayer. Pastor Ben was his name, and he has discipled me back into wholeness. Dad, I'm a new man. May I come home? Mr. Murray told his son to come home. Son, we're waiting for you, and so is someone else. Angel Marie's grandfather told Robert all about his little girl and said that they would all be waiting for him at the airport. Robert had tears streaming down his face when he embraced his mother and his father. But when he saw his little girl, there was nothing but pure joy. He shyly handled her a bouquet of flowers and gently said, this was your mother's favorite kind. She smiled and threw her arms around his neck. Daddy, we've been praying for you and now you're home. Robert found not condemnation or accusation at the family home, but he found security and unconditional love. Robert asked his parents to forgive his cruel parting, his unthinkable silence, and his horrible choices. Robert's mother took her son's face in her hands and said, Robert, I am your mother. I gave life to you, and now you have brought life back to us. Robert, I've never stopped waiting and hoping. I've never stopped loving you unconditionally. I want to ask you tonight, my friends who are listening, who have you been praying for? Or perhaps I should put it this way, who has been praying for you to find your way home? You know, when the angels came to announce the birth of Jesus Christ, they announced glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. This is what I believe. I believe that God knew that life on planet Earth would not be perfect. And so he instituted a better plan, the birth of his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus came to bring peace among men. He came to bring peace in our family relationships and in the workplace. And believe it or not, he also came to bring peace in world governments and in political systems. Jesus came to bring peace to families and to hearts. You know, when I read that familiar Christmas scripture, one thing stands out to me. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. Worshiping God, the glory to God in the highest part precedes the peace among men part. So if you've been looking for peace in your heart, for peace in your home, and for peace in your family, perhaps where it really starts is with your response to God. One of my favorite Psalms is this one. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed are those who take refuge in him. 
Maybe somebody has been waiting for you to come home. Maybe you're waiting for somebody else to come home. And I want to tell you this Christmas season that God hears us when we pray. He inclines his ear toward his children. And your breakthrough, your healing, your loved one coming home might be just one prayer away. hope that today's program reminded you what the heart of Christmas is truly all about. I love spending this time with you, and from my heart to yours, Merry Christmas.